dad doesn't touch your heart, we need to get some jumper cables on you, right? <laughs> the old EKG check. All the children, if any children can exit right here with Pastor Ashley. I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We have been, this Christmas season, just going through the book of Luke, the Christmas account in Luke, and so we are on the last section here in Luke. verse 21, after the shepherds have returned glorifying God. You know, there's there's something I didn't read last week that uh, I just forgot, but I think it's appropriate, and I want to start with it today before we read the scriptures. Um, as many of us know that when the whenever the angels appeared, whenever there was an angelic encounter, most of the time, the first thing they said was what? Fear not, or don't be afraid, just whichever, you know, translation. Don't be afraid. Uh, And why do they say that? First of all, because you're going to be afraid. (laughs) If you see an angel, uh, if you really see an angel, it might startle you. It might get your attention. Uh, But the second thing is this. The other reason that, that I believe that the angels were saying this was that there was an end to fear coming on earth. There was something that was happening that they were announcing to say, the fear that has held humans captive is coming to an end. So fear not. Fear not because today a Savior has been born. And I want to read this. Uh, this is actually a quote from a commentary. Uh, if I can get it turned the right way on my phone so the crack doesn't block it. Um And zoom in a little bit. Okay. There we go. This is when those big phones really come into play. Right, Don? So the incarnation of the Son of God is indeed still the only foundation upon which, listen to this, upon which real fearlessness towards the invisible the unknown and the divine may be based. Without the coming of Christ, we should have had no assurance that God really exists as a personal God, perfect in love and mercy. And we should still have been overcome with fear as regards to the invisible, the hereafter, that's the afterlife, um, or the future, uh, the divine and the eternal. But thanks be to God that his son gave himself to the world in a love and became a man, bringing a perfect revelation of God as the holy and merciful Lord. Ever since the incarnation of Jesus, all tidings from the higher world, the spiritual world, are good tidings of great joy. For those who through him are at peace with God. It says it better than I could. That's why I want to read that. So It's so amazing. You know, if you deal with fear of the unknown, I mean, really, that's kind of the, the core thing of fear. You're, you're afraid of something that's 
It hasn't been hap- it hasn't happened yet. It's been unknown. It's not it's not known to you. You haven't experienced it yet. It might happen. <laughs> it could happen. But fear is always based on something that is going to happen in the future other than basic normal fear. You get the idea of you should be afraid to step out on the highway you know, in the middle of the night and just stand there. Okay, that's not fear. That's just wisdom, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about the things that keep you up at night, the things that make your heart beat a little bit faster, the things that kind of grip you and they cause you to have anxiety in your life, and it's just kind of this thing that just, just hangs on you. That's the kind of fear that Jesus came and the angels came to say, hey, guess what? You don't have to have that anymore. Because of Jesus, it's the end of living in fear. And most of all, it's the end of living in confusion about who God is. If you want to know, if you want to know who the Father is, look at Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen him. And so now we have an assurance of what God is like. He's like Jesus. So I want us to continue on. That was free. By the way, we're not doing a formal offering today, just in case I forget to say this. So if you have an offering, you can leave it in the trays back there or give online or however you do that um, or bring it next week. Um, We're not going to stop for an offering today. So Luke 2 and verse 21, this is right after the shepherds have come and returned glorifying God and praising God. I don't have 21 in there, I bet. Uh, it says, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved or guided by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There's a second encounter with another person. There was also a, a prophet, prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel the tr- from the tribe of Asher, She was very old. 
You get in the Bible and that's all they say about you first, right? <laughs> she was very old. Look how old she is. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. Or she was a widow for 84 years. So she actually could have been 106 years old or so, technically. So she was somewhere between 84 and 106. So sorry, she was old. <laughs> Forgive me, Miss Dorothy. <laughs> so she never let, okay, she was old. Let's move on from that statement, okay? That, that wasn't a, supposed to be a main point. So she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And when Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And so we have this amazing encounter when Jesus is at the temple. And I want, I'm going to make a confession to you that I have never actually read this clear enough to understand when this was. When they went to see Simeon, it was not when Jesus was eight days old. Just figure this out, sorry. I asked my father to forgive me. But it says that they went for the purif- after the purification time for the woman after she gave birth. They were following the, the Old Testament, Old Covenant law. And how long was that? Forty days. <laughs> it says forty days in my study. So it was forty days after the birth of a son. And so... She was, this is 40 days after Jesus was born. So this is not just, he's not just a brand new infant. He's, he's, you know, a month old. He's still very tiny and very small, but this is a different time period. So they go and they circumcise him and they name him Jesus. And then they go back and they're hanging out in, in Bethlehem still. They, they just stay in Bethlehem. They continue to stay there, in fact, until after the wise men come, which is possibly up to two years later. And so they live, they don't go back to Nazareth till after they go to Egypt. Luke doesn't address all that stuff. So he, he's going with his account of the story and highlighting his points. And so Jesus is here roughly, you know, 30 to 40 days after, uh, she is, she has given birth to him and they're there to, pres- you know, make the sacrifice that's required by the law. And as, uh, Pastor Don said, uh, several Wednesdays ago, which is a great, just a great picture, is they were supposed to either bring a lamb or if they were very poor, they would bring what it says here, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Were Joseph and Mary still poor? Yes. Because the wise men hadn't come yet with a giant chest of gold. Once the chest of gold came, guess what? They were rich. I'm serious. I mean, it was just like that. They were just suddenly rich. They had all the resources they need. They could move around. They could do what, they could go to Egypt for a while, hang out and live there and spend all, you know, and, and come back. They had everything they needed. God gave them more than enough. But at this point, they're poor. And so normally you would bring a lamb, but if you were unable to bring a lamb, because that was very costly, then you would bring a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And it's amazing to think about this picture that Mary is bringing the Lamb of God. Mary is presenting the Lamb of God. I just want to share. That's from Pastor Don. I want you to know I'm not taking credit for that. And he got it from somebody else too. So, <laughs> But isn't that amazing that the Lamb of God is coming into the temple? Here's another fact you may not know. 
is, did you know that the Ark of the Covenant was no longer in the temple at this time? The Ark of the Covenant, for those of you that don't know, was the, the, in the children's Bibles, it calls it this. This is the best description I can come up with. The holy box. The holy box. It's a lot easier to explain than the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Ark of the Covenant is cooler for movies. I get that. So, the holy box. So that, that box had been, been disappeared since 587 BC. And so the Ark of the Covenant was the, the, the dwelling place of the presence of God that was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. The Ark had not been there for 500 years. And now the one who dwelt, whose presence dwelt in the Ark, is now showing up in the temple for the first time in 500 years. God himself in the form of Jesus is presented in the temple once again. And so now, really, in some ways, the ark is now present once again in the temple this day. So you can understand just a little bit of what is going on in this time. This is a huge encounter with the power of God's presence. And you, that, and then you've got, what do you have? You have the manifestation of the presence of God moving upon human beings in this very moment. You have two specific human beings who were touched by the Spirit of God to be a part of this amazing moment. There were others there, and they were, they were getting caught up in it, but Simeon and Anna were actually clued in to the Holy Spirit, so they knew what was going on. Just to clear it up here, Simeon doesn't always just hang out in the temple. Doesn't say he's a priest or anything. He's, he, it says that he has to be guided there. He wasn't planning to be there that day. He didn't wake up in the morning and check his phone and his calendar and say, I'm supposed to be at the temple at, you know, whatever time they did, went to do this, you know, at 2 p.m. or something. I don't know what time. Um, and he didn't have that in his calendar, but it says that the Holy Spirit was on him and the Holy Spirit guided him to the temple in that day. You know, when there's about to be a move of the presence and the Spirit of God, the people who are tuned in to the Holy Spirit will begin to be stirred in their hearts. There's going to be something stirring in your hearts when God is beginning to move. If there's a promise in your life, because here is a promise that had been given to Simeon, he'd been given a promise. You're going to, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And so he knew, it doesn't matter, I can step out in traffic. <laughs> no, he didn't think that, okay? That's not how it works, is it, right? Does anybody think that's how it works with God? Please, please don't go step out in traffic. Just, you know how people hear things in the message? What I heard today was I heard step out into traffic. <laughs> okay, that's not what you're supposed to hear. But he, he, was, he was indestructible. Simeon was indestructible till Jesus came. Nothing was going to take him out. It didn't matter if he got sick. It didn't matter if he got a disease. It didn't matter what came against him. It didn't matter if he had money or had, didn't have money. It didn't matter. He was going to be alive until the Messiah came because God said the word. He said, you will see my, my Messiah. And Simeon, we have to also understand this, that Simeon was still living under the old covenant. And what does that mean in relation to the Holy Spirit? It's this. In the New Covenant, it says 
that Jesus goes to heaven and he says, I have to send the Holy Spirit to you. See, when you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've given your life to him, you've made him your Lord and Savior, it says that the very presence of God comes and lives in you. In many ways, you are now the Ark of the Covenant. You are now the dwelling place of God himself. Wow. <laughs> look around at all these people. There's a lot. Hey, look. Hey, you're the dwelling place of the presence of God. That changes how we view other people. It might change how you view yourself as well. And so in the Old Covenant, no, that wasn't the case. The Holy Spirit would come upon people, and then he would what? When, when they did what the Holy Spirit wanted, the Holy Spirit would be lifted from them, except only one. Who was the one? Anybody know who the one is? You're like, I didn't come to church to talk. Just tell me, right? Who's the only one that the, it says the Holy Spirit came and never left in the Old Testament? David, exactly. Why is that? Why did that happen for David? Number one, uh, because he is a picture of the coming one. Who is Jesus called? The son of David. The Messiah was always known as the son of David. So David was a picture of what the life of Jesus would be in the new covenant for humans after Jesus came, lived, died, and resurrected again, and ascended to heaven and released the Holy Spirit. David is a picture of that life. David is a picture of the new covenant relationship of God and man. Now, Simeon was still living. He was still under the old covenant. So the Holy Spirit, it says he had. So what this means is that Simeon had a regular interaction with the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him like a believer in Jesus today, but he had a regular interaction with the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. So in other words, this was a common occurrence. This was not, this was not new to him. This was not something that was foreign to him. This was something he was familiar with. And just like, just like Simeon, we get the same thing is when we get familiar with the Holy Spirit, we sense his presence more. And what happens when we sense his presence more? He begins to speak to us. God begins to put promises into our heart. He begins to place truths in our lives. He begins to speak destiny into us and say, here's what you're going to do. And you can say, God, what about this in the past? And he says, well, first of all, I forgot that. So thanks for reminding me. I'm going to forget it again here in just a second um, because I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. He said, and God says, look, I am looking right now at your present and your future. And it's all based upon me living inside of you. Can you imagine that? If you ever have a problem approaching God, you have to understand you've got the Holy Spirit in you. You've been sealed by the blood of Jesus. So when he looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Does that person have access to the throne of the Father, to the heart of the Father, to the, to the words of the Father, to the, to the intimacy and love of the Father? Yes, every time. And so when you have an interaction with the Holy Spirit, he begins to speak to you, and it says he had a revelation. God will begin to reveal things to you. Christmas is about a huge revelation of God coming to earth. It's a revelation, like I said earlier, of who God is. This is what God is like. And then what happens, the third thing that happens when you're a person of the Spirit is this. He guides you. It says in that day... The Holy Spirit was on him. He had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. We see Holy Spirit in three different times. Holy Spirit was on him. 
Holy Spirit had revealed. And then it says he was moved or guided or led by the Holy Spirit into the temple that day. You know, you're going you're gonna to be led into things where you're just going to go, I need to, I need to go there today. I need to call this person today. I need, I need to write this, write this person today. I need to text this person, email, maybe even send a real letter. You have to put a stamp on people under 20, okay? You put this, you have to put the stamp on or they won't send it, okay? Uh, it's a joke, sorry. Um, I know you know that. Um, he will begin to guide you and you'll end up in places where the presence of God is moving. Because really that's, that's what we, that's what we all want. That's, that's what our heart's desire is. All of us that, that love Jesus, man, we just want to be in the, we want to be wherever Jesus is doing something good. You know, if he's, if he's at the temple, then let's go to the temple. If he's out on the sea, then let's, and he's fishing, Let's go fishing, right? You know, if he's out in the hunting blind hanging out, uh, then let's go hunting. If he is out with the poor and hanging out with them, then let's get with the poor and help somebody who's in need. Wherever Jesus is, that's where we are longing to be, and that's where the Holy Spirit is always bringing us to, to be in, his, in the presence of Jesus. You know, that's one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is what does the Holy Spirit do? He reveals Jesus. He, he pours out love on Jesus. When, when you, when, when you don't have affection for Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit has affection for Jesus. If you don't feel like you have love for God, guess what? The Holy Spirit in you has love for God right in your heart, inside your spirit being is the very presence of God longing to worship and honor and love Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing exactly what happens in the book of Revelation. Whenever Jesus shows up, everybody's like, yeah, I want to get close to him. And then they get close to him and they fall down and they get up and they fall down again. They go, I'm going to worship you. Get up and they fall down and they worship. There's just a, there's a response. Everybody has a response to Jesus. As I said before, you can talk about, you can talk about a general God anywhere. And people go, okay, God, the higher power or whatever, the man upstairs. Uh, but you mention the name Jesus, you're being very specific. And you're calling someone to make a decision. Is he who he says he is or not? And Simeon has this revelation, and he gets to touch. He gets to touch Jesus. That's pretty cool right there. <laughs> I don't know why he got chosen to do this, but God said, hey, Simeon, you're the one. You're going to find yourself in places where you're like, God, why am I the one that you're wanting to do this? Why me? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just John. I'm just Don. I'm just, I'm just Michael. I'm just Brandy. I'm just Amy. It's nice to see y'all. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just whoever. And God says, no, I picked you. I picked you for this moment. I picked you for this moment. You're, you're, the, you're the son, you're the daughter that I want in this moment to be lifting up Jesus. It says he lifted Jesus up and he began to just worship God. He began to praise God. There was a, you know, there's no choir singing, but it was like the heavens were singing in that moment. When the promise was being fulfilled in that moment for Simeon, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure he was just weeping. 
you know, when I got, when I got engaged, I, I probably told this story before. It's been a long time ago. I got engaged on, uh, Christmas Day. <laughs> what year? Help me out. 2003. Christmas Day. So I, you know, I got, you have to give your wife a fit. I mean, your, well, she was my wife then. Uh, whatever she was, girlfriend. She was on my girlfriend for six months. I can't remember it. So, um, I, I had to get my, so I got her like a nice, you know, a fake gift for Christmas, you know? You, you got, she's got to open something on Christmas Day, right? In the morning when you're opening the gifts, you don't go, hey, I'm going to bring it to you later. Uh huh. <laughs> go ahead and try it, guys. Sorry, I didn't get it yet. <laughs> well, you better go get something, son. <laughs> you better find something in the garage. I don't care. Get something. <laughs> You better call somebody, get on the internet, whatever. <laughs> Beg Amazon to come in two hours, not two days. I don't know. So I got, you know, I got my, got my, at that point, girlfriend, Ashley, you know, got her nice gift. So she was not suspecting anything. I don't even know. I was planning to tell the story, but <laughs> so come back next week. <laughs> You'll hear the rest of it. Okay. So. Yeah, you know, we have our Christmas, however we were doing it at that time. I don't remember whose even house we were at. Um, both, probably both the Post house and the Wymore house at that moment. And so, and we, we go for a drive and we, I won't tell you the details of how it happened. It was very romantic. It was the one time in my life that I was romantic and then that was it. <laughs> Ask Ashley. <laughs> Ask Ashley. Man, we, we need to work on that. I don't know how to, but we need to. Uh, not just romance till we get them, romance after we have them. Okay, uh, that's, <laughs> sorry guys. I, did I say that? <laughs> I'm a, am I accountable for that? Um, so we, we go through, we go, we go to a bunch of special places. We'll just say that and, and I give her something at each place and she's probably, you know, I don't know what she's thinking. She's probably, no, this is cool. This is cool. And then we get, uh, you know, the final, re- final destination. There's, you know, it's still Midland, so it's not like amazing, but, um, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, it wasn't like, Hey, I took you to this. Oh man, look at this place. It's amazing. Okay. So it was actually downtown at the Centennial Plaza, you know, um, uh, you know, had the kind of a fountain there. It was about the coolest thing I could think of at the time. So, um, and so I got down on my knees and I was, uh, you know, said, we, we, Ashley, will you, will you marry me? And I, I, I directly remember this for, for many reasons. Thankfully I remember it, but, uh, it was this, that I was, I was laughing and crying at the same time. I literally was like, <laughs> It's possible. Okay, I'm telling you it's possible. Um, as a man, I don't, it was the only time that's ever happened in my life. Okay, that's, it's the only time it's happened in my life. But it was just, it, it was just an overwhelming sense that I was entering into something that God had for me and just joy and thanksgiving and just like, you know, like overwhelming emotion. So I tell that story this. That is this moment for Simeon. I mean, I don't know if he really cried and laughed at the same time, but there was this overwhelming sense that this is it. This is it. This is the one. 
And he, he goes into this amazing prophetic declaration of Jesus. And he says one phrase that's hugely important to us that I want to highlight before I close with Anna. He says in verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, Simeon's having a revelation of not just Jesus being born. He's having a, a revelation of what Jesus is going to accomplish. Which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Right there is where you came in. Up until that time, anybody who was Jewish, anybody who followed God, the Messiah was not coming for everybody. He was coming for them. He was coming only for the people of Israel. And Simeon in that moment, full of the Holy Spirit, says, Now this is for everybody. We're blowing open the doors on this one. This is no longer a closed deal. This is this is a revelation now. Who is Jesus coming for? Everybody. Everybody. So as a reminder, those people that you think are the worst people that you've ever met, Jesus came for them. It doesn't matter how they act. It doesn't matter if they're acting stupid. It doesn't matter that they're living stupid. It doesn't matter that they're talking stupid. It doesn't matter. Jesus came for them. And God wants to give everybody an opportunity to experience what Simeon did to touch Jesus. And to have his, his salvation, his life, his, his healing, his redemption flow into their lives. It says there is also, you know, whenever the Holy Spirit's moving, there's just people who are clued in. And Anna was another one of these, one of these people who was just clued into the Holy Spirit. It says that she was normally at the temple because most of what she did was pray and fast for roughly 84 years after her husband died when she was very young. You know, there are times when you're in a place of loneliness and you can either choose to withdraw or you can choose to engage the Holy Spirit. You can choose to say, okay, am I going to be stuck in a place of mourning and loss where I'm gonna, or am I gonna have an interaction with the Holy Spirit? Well, yeah, did God have to heal her heart? Absolutely. Did she, did she grieve? Did she just say, that was nothing to move on? Absolutely not. No way. No way at all. But as the Holy Spirit began to walk her through healing, she began to find the Holy Spirit is the best person I can interact with in my times of loneliness. The Holy Spirit is the best person I can interact with in my times of confusion. The Holy Spirit is the best person I can interact with when I am very hurt. I don't need just myself. I don't need just my emotions. I don't need just my thoughts. I don't need, I don't need solutions, really, from somebody else. What I do need is an interaction with God himself, the Holy Spirit, ministering in my life. And so I encourage you... As many of us face, many of us know that the holiday season can be a time of, of remembering what, what we've lost.
make a decision to say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me. I I need some interaction here. And the Holy Spirit is always going to lead you to a revelation of Jesus. He's going to point you to a greater revelation of Jesus. You know, if you've ever gone through a dark time in your life, whatever that may be, it doesn't matter. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, gauge to measure how hard something is in life. If it's the hardest, most horrific thing you've ever gone through, guess what? For you, that's the hardest, most horrific thing you've gone through. From a human perspective, we can say, oh, that was really hard, much harder than what I went through. But hey, you know what? Your emotions are real. Your feelings are real. We're not trying to pretend that those things are not real. Faith is not pretending. Faith, Faith is facing that reality and receiving a greater reality through the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to you. Because that's exactly what happened on earth. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. There was a greater reality coming than what had been on earth. In other words, you've been living at this level. You've been living at what humans can do and overcome and and restore themselves on their own. And then there's a next level where God says, hey, we're going to bring in the supernatural. We're going to bring in a savior of the earth. He's going to bring redemption and forgiveness and freedom. He's going to die and resurrect on the third day. And he's going to ascend to heaven. And he's going to release the very presence of God to go live in all his people. And they're going to go forth with joy and with hope and with peace and with understanding and with the power of God on their lives. And they're going to bring good tidings of great joy for all people. And in the midst of suffering and sorrow, they're going to be the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness is not going to overcome it. So interact with the Holy Spirit. You know, and I just want to close with one thing is this. You'll notice over and over again, it says that Mary and Joseph were, they're being blown away. And there's actually some people are like, well, didn't they? I mean, I mean, they had the, they already had the angelic encounter, you know, with the announcement of Jesus' birth. Both Joseph and Mary had an encounter with an angel, right? You remember that part? Um, then it says the shepherds had an encounter with angels, and shepherds show up at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. So they're having all that happen. Then two years later, or no, excuse me. Then forty days later, uh, they come, they come to the temple and. There's this guy, Simeon, that shows up, steals their baby. <laughs> I mean, that's that part, too, is kind of, how'd that happen? Like, hey, you're like, hey, man, hands off. <laughs> but, you know, it's just a God moment that takes their baby, and, and it says that Mary and Joseph are like, going, whoa. And then two years later, up to two years later, it says they, they've lived, they're just living a normal life. They're changing Jesus' diapers and he's growing, he's learning to eat and all this different stuff. And then out of nowhere, these guys right up to the house, these magi, how many ever there were, they had three gifts with them and they present their gifts. They bow down before Jesus, the, the small child, the toddler, and they worship him and they present, and then now they're rich. There's always going to be an unfolding revelation of who Jesus is in your life. You will have time after time where you will go, wow. It doesn't mean you didn't believe before. It doesn't mean you didn't know him before. It doesn't mean that, you know, you had a lack of understanding, although, yeah, you probably did. But 
we're always going to grow in the revelation of Jesus. Just like Mary and Joseph, it's like, hey, didn't they listen to the angel before? Yeah, they did, but then this is something more. It's like, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and their understanding is growing and growing and growing. Even later on, it says Mary, you know, when Jesus starts his ministry, you know, she's like, Mary and his brothers are like, what are you doing, Jesus? <laughs> they, they, they needed a greater revelation, but what happened... Interesting thing is this, some of Jesus' brothers became leaders in the church after he was died and resurrected. He was actually one, they were actually leaders that were actually proclaiming the message of Jesus. Now they had had the revelation of who Jesus is. You will always grow as you're following God in your revelation of Jesus. And that would be my prayer for you this Christmas season. So let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to interact with us, to continue to interact with us right now in this very moment. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. If there's anybody who's struggling right now, Lord, there's a, a point of just a, a point of frustration, a point of confusion, a point of, of hurt, whatever it is, Lord, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to have a divine interaction with them. I invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do. We thank you for the ministry that you have already done in our hearts, God, but we know there's a greater revelation of Jesus. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to lead us to Jesus, to let, to get to know him better, because Jesus reveals the Father. And we get to go, know Father God, we get to know Papa God even better, because we're having a greater revelation of Jesus, and he is the image, the exact representation of the Father. And so we thank you for this, this time where we can get to know you better. If there's nothing that we get this Christmas, then we have a greater revelation, God, of who you are, then we've got it. We've had a good Christmas. Lord, it doesn't matter if we get stuff. If we have a greater revelation of you, it's been a good Christmas. And so I pray that for every single person in here. I pray for whether somebody has a just an eensy-teensy bit of revelation or they've got a whole lifetime, God, there's still more. And so we thank you for revealing Jesus to us that we can understand who God is in a better way, understand your love and experience all of who you are this season. We thank you, Lord, that even though Mary didn't quite know all those things yet, she grew to know and recognize and have a revelation of Jesus uh, all the way to his death and his resurrection, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can have a revelation of you that grows and grows and grows and grows. We invite you to do that, O oh Lord. And we invite you to make us the messenger for someone else. Lord, make us the Simeon or the Anna in someone else's life where we can show up and we can point out the presence of God, the work of God in their lives in that moment. We can be the ones that say, yes, this is it. This is God right here. Let me give you another reason to believe that this is not your imagination. This is God himself showing up. We thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen.